0: Post Iron Bowl reaction recap episode, final one of the season. Let's get talking about it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Auburn Daily Show once again. Appreciate the following. We have wrapped up the regular season for football. And the crazy part is with that is like, you kind of think that's like kind of winding it down for content. Like, oh, this is it. We're kind of hanging it up. We're packing everything, run it back next year. Absolutely not. I truly think that this December is going to be one of the busiest months as far as just content and moving and shaking that we're going to see all year and will likely the domino effects of the the actions and the things and the commitments and the moves and everything that's going to happen is going to be just having an impact on Auburn for years to come. I truly I've said it. I'm I'm doubling down on this take. I think this is legitimately gonna be one of the most important months as far as what happens now for how to affect Auburn down the road. Already kind of teased that with the Pat Barnes episode in my host, Definitely, we're be talking about it again. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's focus in on the honorable recap. Do things a little different. I normally kind of do these the day after, sometimes even the night after if it's an early game, just kind of recapping the immediate feel of it. Broke my own rule because I didn't want to get... There was so much emotion in this one and just so much that happened. I would say I've been fairly good at keeping a level head on some of these things but it was just this one was almost just the way everything happened like I think for content's sake it was better to just hang it up for about 24 hours to kind of come into this a little bit more level-headed perspective I did watch the presser Monday recording this Monday so any of the current events that have happened that's where we're at at the time of recording most definitely there were a lot of people who were definitely tweeting through this and I don't love that. I think it's sometimes best to just maybe take a little time off the keyboard. That's not the best way to get through it. Cause one, you just, you're and sh- you shoot from the cuff, you're saying things that definitely maybe you don't mean, maybe you haven't thought through. And then also too, you don't want to give opposing fan bases, just any ammunition to use. And yeah, cause you say kind of all the above happened there. I chose to kind of keep things a little more uh, toned down personally. Try not to talk to a lot of people about it. Took some time to process to kind of see, all right, let's take the emotions out of it and just think of this as logically as possible. And like I said, with how everything went down, that was a hair bit harder than it maybe would have been, honestly, had Auburn lost by two touchdowns. Auburn loses by two touchdowns. I probably handle this one. "Eh, more level headed, say the coach speak afterward. This one just almost makes it more confusing. Cause of one, you're just on the precipice of what it could have been. And then of course, coming off the New Mexico State game, it's just this whirlwind of what we call it where it is confusion of just like how, how does this happen? How, how, how a lot of like questions there. And I think what makes Auburn so great is the emotions and the passion of the fans. And that can also be a detriment as well where it was absolutely an asset for the fan base is that atmosphere, people heard about it. But if you were there, you know, was electric. I would even argue it may have even been better than 2021 because everyone talks about 2021. At least this game, there was actually things that were happening that were good or more of just 2021 was both teams were just kind of minus sacks on Bryce Young. Both teams were just kind of stuttering to the, final minutes of the game and Alabama just did what they needed to do but this one it wasn't great offensive performance from Auburn but it was definitely good enough to win the game it was good enough to at least have some numbers I mean Auburn at least had well, what was the total total number of offense uh, da, 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 I think it was two I think it was in the mid 200s it was well should have had should have been a little more prepared here on this one. Three thirty seven, yeah. So let me look up what twenty twenty one was. Twenty twenty one Auburn versus Alabama. Whole number of offense for that game for Auburn that is would be one fifty nine. So so I, kind of why it felt a little different. And the uh, crazy part there is I you know it didn't feel like it of just how well Auburn did managing the ball, but all, the time possession was 27 to 32. Really, we can throw that down and say 27 to 33, if just rounding it. I felt like Auburn held the ball longer than Alabama did. So if you do the math there, if Auburn maybe recovers a punt, that's 30-30. Auburn very, very, very likely wins that game. But even the probability calculator had Alabama having chances to win this game up until the fourth quarter. It finally swung to Auburn's way. But even even in the – I guess it very briefly at the end of the third, but it was really swaying, and then it went back and forth, back and forth, and obviously we saw how it ends. And, you know, Bama fans aren't going to let you forget that one. It was a good few things. Let's we'll talk about fan reaction. I don't love – I say I don't love, that's, that's the wrong word here. I, I don't by any means – think it is okay to attack players. I know Coy Moore was getting a lot of flack. DJ James getting a lot of flack. and You can't deny that the game most definitely came down to them in the final moments. You could say Coy Moore is more to blame there. Yes, because he had probably the easiest play to make. And there's a lot of opinions on that. So we'll just start. Let's just get into that one because... At the end of the day, it ha- what happened happened, and it doesn't necessarily matter because it's over. But he ended up, I, I, from what I saw, deactivated, deleted his Twitter very soon after the game. I did a name search on him, and there were a lot of fans just saying things they shouldn't have said to him. And let's be honest here. That's that's just the time where you just get your frustrations out. You don't type it out, and you go to, let's say, a rage room. What a great transition for an ad read. As always, Auburn Daily Show brought to you by the Opelika Rage Room with locations in downtown or outside of downtown Opelika on Second Avenue, right down Opelika Road. If you're coming from the Auburn direction, just a straight shot. It's exactly what it says it is. If you don't know what a Rage room is, if you do, then you absolutely, this would have been a great time to go to one. Get in there, you get a Table full of stuff. You get some bats, hammers. You can play loud, angry music, and you get to just smash some things. Maybe you think of a player or two in the Iron Bowl that got you mad, and you can go bash it to pieces. That's what happens. Do that. Do not go tweeting those things at players. These guys are still wearing Auburn uniforms. They're still on the teams, and trust me, they don't need to hear your criticism. They know. I guarantee you, Koy Moore was having a worse day than anybody was. And you heard it in Hugh Freeze's presser. He said he went up to him. He went up to him and DJ James and spoke to him for a while. Told him he loved him. Was being a coach in that moment for those guys. They were taking that tough. But to if it's up the Adery though, don't want to get don't want to get too far ahead of it. Yes, open rage room. Thank you for watching the show. They also have a location in Birmingham, Birmingham Rage Room. Go check them out there. And like I said, college football season or at least Auburn fans especially. It's a great, it, it's a service. It was a service that we all needed. So I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. But back to what I was saying about Coy. Yeah, don't love that. It happened. Don't love the reaction of what people did. And obviously you're going to be upset. The coaches are going to be upset. The players are going to be upset. He's upset. Everybody's upset. But there's a fine line between that and just the personal attacks. And same with DJ James. And he even kind of said, you know, if you go after the coaches, yeah, it's kind of their jobs. And we famously understood or famously remember the Mike Gundy come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. If you need to go after everybody, go after the coaches. They're the ones that get paid for that. They can handle it. I'm never a fan of going after kids. We can argue about amateurism all day long, but still just personal attacks like that. He wasn't out there trying to blow the game. What I will say on that, and this is, I think, where the other debate comes, is and was it a bad look that Hugh Freeze wasn't aware at the end of the game? I think so. There's a lot of people that have a lot of mixed feelings on that. At least at the very end of it, be prepared. Hey, someone's going to ask a question about this, just so you know, that's where you get there to it. I also think that if Keontae Scott, who is your starting punt returner and legitimately the biggest punt, return and or fair catch of the season probably their careers collegiate careers if he's out and we're sending a second guy in who i believe blaine crane was the one that said that he'd only fielded five punt returns this year him being coy moore does is that something that hugh freeze needs to be aware of in the moment to say hey do you want to do anything different here? Do you want him to be a decoy? Do you want him to stay back? Do you want him just to stay away from the ball in general? I don't know. Maybe that's a conversation. I'm not a coach. I don't know how it is. Maybe it's just a, hey, he, he's a backup. He's ready to go in. He knows what he's supposed to do. I would say any other time, absolutely. But given the circumstances that were happening in that game, I personally think and this is a you know everyone's gonna give their opinions on it and it's just what it's about just give an opinion I don't think it's a horrible idea to at least have the head coach being aware of that situation and if they need to make any adjustments on that and rather and let's just rewind it let's say it was Scott that was perfectly healthy same kind of deal do you want him just maybe not even trying to touch that because literally anything that could happen they could they could feel that ball at the one inch line that is better than what happened just right there so because i mean even and as crazy it sounds even if auburn gives up a safety well they're still up and at least you get you put i mean you give up safety and put bam in worse field position than you did and you're still up so it's not like it would have mattered in hindsight so it's it's one of those things that will be forever debated and wondered but regardless, it didn't happen. I don't love the look of it. I don't think it's as big of a deal as some people are making out to be, but I also don't think it's something that you just completely brush off like some others do. I think the truth is kind of in the middle there of like, hey, maybe just a little more situational awareness. You know, the hot debate here, and everybody's talked about it, and we got to talk about it too, is the final play of the of the game, the defensive setup. I have gone kind of back and forth with this, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and heard it, and this and that, and... Hugh Freeze even said that there's no reason that DJ James should have been that that one-on-one situation should have happened. There had to been somebody else there. So I'm sure as that film gets broken down, as more information comes out about that, we'll see. Maybe did somebody miss an assignment? Was there some type of execution that was done? Of course, a lot of people talk about the spy deal, and in hindsight, these things are way easier to break down than how they feel in the moment. I honestly, I feel like in the moment for the game and fourth and 31, that is just like about run anything. So I'm not going to overly break this down from a coaching standpoint because it just doesn't necessarily matter, but I think it's one of those deals where Alabama has shown throughout their history that they did it against Auburn two years ago. They won a national championship against Georgia doing it, that they obviously prepare for plays like that, and then they did it this past Saturday. So do you practice more, do you practice those plays defensively? Probably not as much as they were offensively, because they obviously, and Saban said, we practiced that. And by the way that, that looked, that didn't look like it was a whole lot of improvising and it made something happen. It was a it it looked like he had some reps throwing to that exact spot in the end zone because that throw was precisely where the ball needed to be, and the receiver was right where he needed to be, and he got his foot in and he got his separation. It stings and it stinks, but it was what it was. So, all in all, uh, kind of hindsight of the game, uh, there were things that Auburn could have done before that. I do think if, if, um, I think if Rivaldo had caught that ball right before Auburn had to end up, um, they had to punt it to give it Alabama, which they ended up stopping them. Though, but you get the ball down there midfield, and you're if you're not right at it, you're pretty dang close to probably chipping it within a field goal positioning, and you've already eaten up a lot of clock on there. So, and who knows, maybe you get a touchdown, but you definitely eat up a lot of clock, and or put Alabama in a spot where they got no timeouts. They get the ball back, so it uh, there were multiple ways that it could happen. The officiating, there was a lot of chit chat of, oh, well, did he push off? Definitely pushed off. Was there contact? Was there enough to really call? Hmm. He got away with one earlier. There was definitely a, by definition, pass interference that James got away with on the opposite end zone earlier in the game. Wasn't called. Obviously, the face masks weren't called. There was a late hit and or targeting helmet-to-helmet deal that wasn't called. Uh, It went both ways. It Definitely more uncalled that should have been for Auburn that weren't. It just wasn't a great officiated game all around. Now, am I saying that's why Auburn lost? Absolutely not. Because like I said, some of those penalties could have gone Alabama's way and could have shifted their momentum. There was a very, very questionable fourth down spot that was incredibly gracious. Or, uh yeah, it was before the third is the first one that got him the first, a very, very short spot. Maybe it was third. I can't remember, but y'all know what I'm talking about. And then... uh. There was the – I think it was um, Lodge McAllister got – it was either him or McLeod. One of the two of them just got held horrifically bad on a play where Milrow was able to get out wide and uh, run it up for, I believe, a first down. So it was just a lot of weird little like and, – and I guess the other weird part is like there were refs that were just staring right at these plays. So odd, odd, odd. But a uh, big takeaway for me here is, I mean, from a positive note, they kept it within three points. This was a very mismatched game from Auburn from the start. They did absolutely everything they needed to do to get in it. You're hearing the phrase of Nick Saban was outcoached by Hugh Freeze, I think, given the talent gaps and everything else. Absolutely is the argument of maybe they were focusing on this from New Mexico State, the Well, they played. Arguably so. Auburn did score in every single quarter of this game. So that's good. I mean, they played a bout near full game. Rushing-wise, 244 yards. That was awesome. Just absolutely shoved it down their throats. Peyton Thorne. Let's talk about that. I'm not going to hold the two interceptions against him. It's going to show up on the books, and it'll show up on a season total, so that stinks, but those were literally two last plays of each half, just Hail Mary, hawking up there, hope something happens, kind of balls, and I'm not going to blame him for just shoving one downfield to end the first half. Also, last play, something happens, just heave it up, about to get sacked at the end of the game. Yeah, and they were both picked, but it wasn't like those were necessarily like I'm trying to make a pass here. It's more of just I'm throwing it up and let's see what happens. So yes, it'll show up in the stat sheet. I'm not necessarily blaming that on him. So if you take away those two throws, unfortunately, I still think his passing percentage is like somewhere in like it's like 35. If you adjust it for those, like take those two throws out of there. Um, five for 16, or we can call it five for 14 if you take those two out of there for one touchdown, 91 yards. I mean, I think the jury's out. I mean, Peyton is kind of showing that he can't do it on the big game versus the big team on the big stage. So. I don't know how we can chalk this up any more than. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that Um, the only players who caught a pass was Johnson and Burt. Yes, technically, Robbie was credited one from, from Jarquez. So it says, but Burton catches one and yeah, Josh Johnson catches four. I know, as I mentioned earlier, Rivaldo had some bad, um, some bad drops, something he definitely should have come down with, but still, that make a huge difference. So, I mean, I think the, I think the story still what it has been that this passing side of this offense is just not enough to get it done. And I think it's going to raise some. It hasn't changed the narrative. We'll just say this on what Peyton Thorne's future is going to be at Auburn. I think a lot of folks are leaning toward him probably jumping in the portal. I don't see, I don't see how either party has anything to gain by him staying unless they really just do think that with more receiver talent, this will change. Peyton did get it done with his legs when he needed to. So, I mean, obviously his decision-making is good enough to make some things happen. He not only did those 57 yards rushing he had in 15 carries, but I think the most key part of that was eating up the clock. And this was a game to where – Auburn wasn't going to just run up the score, and they needed to keep that offense off the field. Auburn, excuse me, Alabama's offense. And doing that, they did what they did. Jarquez 8, would it be cool to see him get over 100 yards? He did get 93, so he got pretty close. Of course, Damari goes off with 85. But alas, Auburn loses a heartbreaking one to Alabama. And I think what has to be remembered here is just this is – kind of what this whole season has been – I don't want to write it off and say, oh, eyes to the future, because I think that narrative's is getting way too overplayed. The season doesn't matter. I think what's going to have to happen here, and we'll talk about this extensively through other episodes, but Hugh Freeze kind of all season was sort of close, but no cigar minus New Mexico State. And he even addressed that in his own press conference that he improperly did, which is <laughs> awesome. I think it was good just for him to come out and say, hey, this wasn't playing, but I still want to talk to you guys. I think if you take the Cow game out, he take New Mexico State out in Cali's at second game of the season across the country. That was I thought that was always kind of destined. I think that's one of those you you play those two games again. They probably go how they should have gone from you know the night before the night before expectations. But in the losses that they that Auburn had, minus LSU, and obviously minus New Mexico State, your SEC losses. I think it was very much kind of like I said, close but no cigar you have got to get over that hump next year. I, th- I think that's kind of what the year two thing is, is do you, you don't count moral victories, but do you, do you see enough to where, all right, we're pouring a foundation and moral victories will count. If you can look back and say, okay, we were building something there by like 2009 feels like a better season because it led to 2010. If 2010 had been an eight and four season, 2009 becomes a disappointment. 2009 is looked back positively because of what it led to. And I think this is kind of what this season is going to be as well. You kept it within three points of Alabama. You kept it within seven points of Georgia. You were within seven points of Old Miss. a and um I would say that game was a tad bit, it felt like the game was a little bit closer than the score was, but you were still neck and neck with AM through a lot of that. So and then obviously AM was a lot of you know getting shooting yourself in the foot. But you carry that moment and of course you have your blowout games in there too. So you, you carry that momentum. And this will be the talk about what is year two look like? What things do they have to do in year two to show that we took this momentum and we built upon it. Do players start getting better? Do players start developing? Do good players start coming in? So on and so on. And Hugh Freeze even said it today, and this is gonna be the talk of it. We've got to recruit this own roster. Something I'm not used to doing. And I appreciate him being just fully candid and just saying, "Hey, like this is not this is new territory for me and us, being the rest of the staff members." Because I think a lot of coaches kind of play it off like these things. You know, they you don't know, really like openly talk about this stuff with the media. And he was very just saying, "Hey." this this is a challenge, and not only is it a challenge, it's a new challenge. And we don't always necessarily know these are, you know, uncharted waters. We hadn't really been, been here before. So, yep, it stings, but you can look at it and say they were supposed to lose this game by what I think thirteen points to fifteen points, depending on when you got your spread in here. Kept it within seven. Really had multiple opportunities to win. It's heartbreaking. So, I think what it's going to have to, what you're going to have to see after this is can you be the heartbreaking loss for your rivals next year and the year after? Can you get over these humps that kept you just from winning? Can you make it feel like this year meant something? And that'll be the challenge for next year. And recruiting and everything is great. But here's the thing with that is, You got to get your recruits. You got to get your flips. You got to keep them in your class. You got to get them to sign the dotted line. Then you got to develop them. They got to play. So recruiting is great, but it's not the end all be all. You've got to have a lot of steps to make sure that these kids aren't busts and you retain them because you get a good recruit who balls out and transfers. What do you do there? So it's a, uh, it is, it isn't the battle is never over. And he, he said in the press conference, so We will have a lot of stuff to talk about for this offseason. As hard as it is, just got to put this one behind us and just keep building toward the future and hope that history will, if they do what they're supposed to do, that will kind of ease some of the pains for this season and they, uh, they can do enough to make it look like progress was made. And I will just say this is my final thought on that. And he freezes Said He said, you take away week 11, obviously, New Mexico State. That feel like there was progress that was made this year. My take on that will be next year will be the answer to that. And I hate that. I think if you beat New Mexico State, and hell, you beat Alabama, most definitely, unarguably progress was made this year. I don't I, – I think he possibly win a mismatch bowl game, then you feel a little bit better. But I think six wins – Progress on paper, yeah, because you were five wins last year, but I don't think that's enough to where you're really looking at and saying we we took a major stride forward as of right now. I think history, the future, will have to tell us, was this stride actually really tangibly taken forward? Now, they can say it and they can believe it. There's probably a lot more they're seeing than we are, but before I comfortably feel like saying, yes, we took a major stride forward, I think I think that's going to answer next year. And unfortunately, doing what they did against New Mexico State and losing this game kind of takes away the outside looking in opinion of that. That's just me. Others may disagree with it. If you do, let me know in the comments. DM me if you do. But they can respond. I think they will respond. I, I, I think it. I, I think if they have a big big December and do. At least moderately what the expectations are of this, even conservatively, should feel a lot better. We won't know till we know. We won't know until it happens. But we just got the fingers crossed and hope for big things. That is going to wrap it up for not only this episode, but this football season. This is going to be kind of the last recap episode that is kind of live and fresh from the season. We don't necessarily have to talk about all the numbers and that and this and that because really there's not a whole lot to look forward from building from last game to this game. There will of course be the bowl game that will get talked about. We'll obviously talk about that a little bit more with the opponent. Probably talk about that more, seeing who opts in and opts out, who comes in transfer portal. So football talk will be shifting to a postseason perspective. Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's really exciting. So hopefully they will do what they did last year and then some. They will close out with this momentum and we'll see how all these things look. I want to thank you all for listening to the auburn daily show and we will be back at you later in the week with more fun and exciting sports and auburn talk thank you all as always for listening make sure to like review follow subscribe all the buttons wherever you're listening